0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, last week we talked about the delusion of diagnosis. Today we're talking about, and what that is, is, I mean, just common sense. If you figure most uh, hundreds of conditions now, and we're talking heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, dementia, uh, depression, cancer, autism, All of these officially have no known cause, okay? That means it's unknown. It's idiopathic. And even though they don't know what the cause is, uh, they have a plethora of therapies to do. Can you imagine bringing your car to a guy? And the the guy, gee, Mister, I don't know what's wrong with the car, but I've got a heck of a lot of work I could do on it. Yeah, welcome to psychotic medical world. Well, today we're going to talk about genetic and genetic expression because that's actually what it is. These aren't diseases, they're the body actually adapting. To a toxic and deficient environment. So we're going to go over genetics and what's the difference and what the delusion about genetics is. See, the body is really expressing an adaptive physiologic process. What that means, it doesn't matter what you're exposed to. The body is going to do everything it can to survive. Now, the study of genetics, it's really a study of heredity. And and it's where parents pass on certain genes to their offsprings. And this is like traits like hair, color, skin, eye, tone, and also... All the stuff that the parents have been exposed to, and I'm not talking just regular parents, I mean grandparents, great-grandparents. So if you are of northern European heritage, I'm telling you right now, your relatives survived the Black Plague of Europe in the 1300s. So you have this genetic memory, okay, that's brilliant. But let's look at some of the misunderstandings of genetics. Every aspect of a biology or of an orgasm can be predicted through its genes. And this is what people will tell you. And that's not true. That's a misunderstanding. Other single g- genes code for specific anatomical behavior features. Like you may have heard about the obesity gene or the shopping gene. Okay, we're going to go through the whole genome project. And that's totally not true. Uh, Genes are a blueprint of an organization's, organism's form and behavior. Again, that's false. And genes are uninterrupted sequences of DNA that only code for a single protein. That's totally false. So let's look at the Human Genome Project. Figure this started, um, planning started in 1984. It started, and this is going to map the whole genes, what the gene sequence is in human beings. Now, they figured, if the whole thing was completed in 2003, they thought that since a human body produces over 100,000 proteins, that there have to be 100,000 genes. Except, it turns out that we have about 20,000 genes. Okay, pretty much about the same number of genes as a mouse, So how can that be? How can uh, the body produce over 100,000 proteins and and only have 20,000 genes? So there was a lot uh, about genetics that wasn't known. Then you're talking in the year 2000, there's a wrench in the works. See, the pharmaceutical industry invested billions of dollars. Because if you can identify the gene before a disease develops, that means you can um, you have a market where you could get a product to uh, a people or group of people that have a similar gene to prevent the expression of that gene. So this is a marketing genius. Uh, no, you don't have cancer now, but by gosh, you have a gene that says it, so take our drug and this will stop the production of that gene. I mean, marketing genius, except You got these docs, okay, from Duke University, Dr. Randy Dirtle and Robert Waterlin um, at Duke University in the year 2000. What they did, amazing. See, the the Human Genome Project was going full force, and they were looking for the gene that caused this or the gene that caused that. Well, they were working with um, these type of mice that are actually bred to be fat, yellow mice, and they're they're hungry all the time. They're prone to cancer and diabetes. They're called agouti mice. And, of course, every time these agouti mice would um, have offspring, their offspring all have shortened lifespans and shortened disease. But they got an idea. What if we change their environment? What if we change their diet? And just before conception, they actually changed the diet of the moms, and it produced the majority offspring were different. They weren't the big, fat, yellow mice. They were slender and brown, and it was crazy because these new mice, just based on a diet change of the mother, um, lived to old age. They weren't prone to cancer. They weren't prone to diabetes, and they lived longer, so now the test group of the mother mice they gave them special foods that were rich in methyl donors. And it's interesting because it found that many foods like onions, garlic, beets, okay, and these are the same thing that we recommend to give to to mothers. So just by changing the nutrients or the environment that the mom was exposed to, it radically altered the genetic expression. So now it's not that genes control you. It's that your environment controls the genes. Now, in fact, you um, figure proteins are made of about 20 amino acids. Now, some proteins can cause cancer. Some proteins can reverse cancer. It's said that genes load the gun, but epigenetics pull the trigger. So what is epigenetics? This is the key. Epigenetics, it's a control. Epi means above, and so it's a control of the genes. So it's really not the genes that you have, it's how do you express those genes. And this is genius. Now, we have uh, a professor from MIT, Menelis Kelly. Now, they identified a total of 150 billion genome sequences. And they're finding out, and so now they have the epigenome project, like how many factors can actually alter a gene expression. That's right. Now, think of it. If you have physical, chemical, or emotional stress, your body is going to respond to that by decreasing blood supply or nerve supply to the gut, and that's normal. If you're sitting your butt on an iceberg, okay, your body's core temperature is going to fall, so the blood vessels to the extremities are going to constrict to maintain that core temperature until your limbs fall off, get frostbit, and that, again, is an intelligent response by the body based on the environment, so now we know that it's not genetics. You're not a slave to your genetics. You are in control of the expression of those genes. Now, how important is this? Well, we can go to the Royal Society um, lecture in 2013. Now, this was sponsored by GlaxoSmithKline. So, you know, they, they're they looking for a chemical alternative to or a chemical option to alter physiology. And they say epigenetics is how the genome of living things is organized and managed. Mismanaged or disorganized epigenomes lead to disease. Wow. Let me read that again because this is hugely important. Mismanaged or disorganized epigenomes lead to disease. Okay, again, epigenome manipulation may have a therapeutic value in diverse human disorders. So wait a second, does that mean that the environment, and this could be the physical, chemical, and emotional environment that you're exposed to, controls gene or gene expression? Is this what Dr. Manolis Kelly was talking about, about 150 billion possibilities of it? Absolutely. So let's look at the health of our population, and we're going to go over gene and gene expression. Just realize we have about the same number of genes as a mouse. And when you're looking at specifically agouti mice, if you change the environment the mother is, the offspring are radically changed. So let's look at our offspring. How healthy are our kids in America? Well, we have the highest... um, Uh, rate of chronic disease in the world, and we have the lowest infectious disease rate in the world. And you might think, wait a second, low infectious rate but high disease rates. Could there be a correlation? Could infection be a natural immune system stimulus to allow our body to express the appropriate genes? Now, just put that in there. I know know that's going to blow your mind for a little bit, but let's go way back to the 1960s. In that, um, 97% of children were healthy in the 1960s. This means that only 3% had a chronic illness or disease. In the 70s, it started to go down. It was around 94%. But then, in the 90s, it started to explode. 1994, 88% of the children were healthy. 2006, 74%. 2017, percent That means that our children today in America have a 54% chronic illness or disease rate. Now, what is causing this rapid decline of health? Now, I know if you're thinking about Social Security or the health of the population or the economy, um, you should be looking at our population because if we have a sick, stupid, um, diseased population, let me tell you, they are not going to be good workers, and that's the decline of our civilization, and which, which makes sense because America's had a good 200-year run, and we could look at other declines of civilization. We could look at the Roman, the Greek, um, all these civilizations had certain challenges, Right now, we have a huge amount of environmental and economic challenges, but right now, let's just look at the health aspect. Okay, so what could possibly be causing this decline of health in the population? Is it genetics, like, like some idiots are saying? No, no. Because genes haven't changed in around 40,000 years. That means the genes that you're running around with are the same genes that your great-great-great-grandfather had and the great-great-great-great-grandfather had back in the hunter-gatherer days. So your genes haven't changed, but our environment has. So let's look at genetically modified organisms like, like glyphosate. Now, granted, glyphosate now is a known carcinogen. They just lost a couple of billion dollar um, lawsuit that shows that it does cause cancer. And it's a mineral chelator, a patented antibiotic. It's in our water streaming system. And if you take something that's an antibiotic, anti means against, bio means life. So you're taking something that's against life. Although we say antibiotic like it's a normal thing. Well, this antibiotic gets in the water, gets in the gut, destroys your gut flora. And that's also not only where 80% of the immune system is, but it's also uh, where neurotransmitters for the brain function is. Now, doctors at, in uh, Sherbrooke University Hospital in Quebec, they found a BT toxin. Now, okay, you're, you might think, no, the world has gone crazy. Let me propose this to you. Um, in order to uh, sell seeds and produce a product, they made it made a corn called BT corn. And, and BT is short for this type of toxin that was secreted by the pollen. So what they did, they had an insecticide um, grown into the pollen of this corn plant. Now you're thinking, OK, now the pollen is poisonous to insects. How bad could that be for humans? Okay, well, of course our, our Food and Drug, our Fraud and Deception I mean Food and Drug Administration, uh, said it's generally recognized as safe, even with no test, and they felt that it's going to be only eaten by cows, and so how bad could it be if it's bad for the cow? You know, the cow will get sick, but will be fine. Well, what they found is the BT toxin is actually dangerous to gut bacteria, dangerous to your body. They're finding it in babies. Uh, they're finding it in umbilical cords. That means that this poison survived the, the cow's digestive tract, survived the mom's digestive tract, went through the umbilical cord, got into the kid, and this is a potent toxin, an insecticide grown by Monsanto. So now let's let's look at other things. So we're looking at autoimmune diseases. Now this has been rampant. Now we know at the Journal of Autoimmunity, infections, vaccine and other environmental factors. So we know for sure our population is getting sicker. Lowest infectious disease rates. Yay. Highest chronic disease rates? Boo. Okay, so is there correlation? Does our body actually need certain infections to develop an immune system response and healthy genetic expression? Possibly. You're never going to see a study like that in today's society. So let's look at, um, we know that vaccines can cause autoimmune conditions. And in fact, when you look at the Journal of Autoimmunity, They're talking about how the diphtheria, the uh, tetanus, um, polio, measles vaccine, all are linked to Guillain-Barre, which is paralysis. Uh, MMR vaccine is linked to autoimmune conditions. Even HPV is linked to multiple sclerosis. Uh, Now, you might think, but the vaccines are safe and effective. Hey, right, okay, in 1983, before they passed the liability law. And now think of this. There's now vaccines, if they're on the schedule, uh, there is absolutely no product liability for it. So this means that the nurse that injects you with it, so let's say since since we just read an article that shows the human papillomavirus, um, the, the Gardasil vaccine is linked to um, multiple sclerosis, so let's say you inject your child with three doses of it. Um, ten years later, the child develops multiple sclerosis. We know also it's it's resulting in primary ovarian sufficiency. So ten years after the vaccine, your child gets um, sterile and multiple sclerosis. You trace it back, find out it was from that shot. You cannot sue the manufacturer. You can't sue the doctor. You can't sue anybody because there's no liability. This law was passed in 1986, uh, I'd, I'd really like to have it repealed, but, you know, who's paying our government? It'd be the pharmaceutical industry there. So, so now the schedule that your child was going to get vaccinated in 1983 was 11 vaccines, and none of them were mandatory. Um, and by 1994, there were 18 vaccines, still none mandatory. By 2015, there were 54 vaccines. Now you're starting to get in the mandatory category, because in 2010, um, they uh, forced them onto nurses, doctors, and people in the healthcare field. Those were the first forced adult vaccines. Then they started to wipe out the certain type of personal exemptions. Now, before that, in the 80s, every state had religious, medical, and personal beliefs, Um, Now, they're just passed a law to wipe out religious beliefs in New York. So forget the Constitution, the separation of church and state. Nope, we got the medical state of America. So now, in 2019, we have 72 doses of 17 different vaccines by the time they're 18. What's it going to be next year? Don't know. Who cares? So let's look at other environmental factors that are triggering our alternate genetic expression. Because remember, those 54% chronic illness or disease kids are expressing those genes. They have the same genes that their great-grandpa had who didn't have a chronic illness or disease. They didn't have inflammatory bowel disease. They didn't have cancer rates like we do. Forget about the autism rates and dementia. Okay, and I'm talking that little kid's great-great-grandpa. Okay, so now what's changed? It has not been the genes. It's been the environmental toxic exposure. So we have, you know, the toxic food, the animals are eating poisonous food, we're eating the poisoned animals, we've got the glyphosates in the water, and we're radically altering um, the vaccine level in kids. Now, if you look at human and experimental toxicology, safety studies have not been conducted to find out if the current schedule of vaccines is safe or efficacious. So let's go to the great God CDC. What do they say about genetic expression? Okay, so we've got um, what they say 6 out of 10. So 60% of America, 6 out of 10 Americans have a chronic illness or disease. So, this is heart disease, cancer, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, strokes, alzheimer's, type two diabetes, kidney disease. and so, when you look at this, you've got to look at what's the cause, okay well, heart disease they say look it's it's <laughs> its cause can be correctable, unhealthy diet lack of exercise, overweight, and smoking, um, and atherosclerosis, so hardening of the arteries. Is, is one of the causes. Um, then you look at, um, let me see, chronic kidney disease, diabetes and high blood pressure. What's the cause of high blood pressure? Unknown, idiopathic. What's the cause of type 2 diabetes? If you look at, they say, genetics and lifestyle. Well, we already know that it's not genetics. It's absolutely the genetic expression. So wait a second. So we've got three of the six top chronic illnesses and diseases are lifestyle factors. So does that mean that if you have a poisonous, toxic, deficient lifestyle, that you're going to express genes that represent disease? I don't know. Let's take a look at it. What do they say about cancer? They say cancer, genetic mutations you're born with, and those that you require throughout life can cause cancer. So if you've inherited a genetic mutation that predisposes you to cancer, that doesn't mean you're certain to get cancer. Wait, let me read this from the CDC. Uh, If you've inherited a genetic mutation that predisposes you to cancer, that doesn't mean you're certain to get cancer. End of quote. Why? Because it's genetic expression. Then you look at the other diseases, COPD, they talk about irritating gases and particulate matter. Strokes, it has the same risk as heart disease, which is hardening the arteries. What causes hardening their arteries? Well, we do know that genetically modified high fructose corn syrup, which is the number one source of calories that Americans are exposed to, cause hardening of the arteries and fatty liver disease, but also medications such as uh, cholesterol-lowering drugs can increase your risk of stroke, and blood pressure drugs can increase the risk of stroke. So it turns out that if high blood pressure and high cholesterol are really an an adaptation to chronic stress, and the drugs they give you to reduce your body's ability for that adaptation cause disease, gee, I don't see in here 6 out of 10 of those um, Americans that have this chronic illness or disease. Um, It should say pharmaceutical products are a contributing factor, and they don't have it there. Hell, they're not even blaming the the agro-businesses we have. So let's look at cancer. Now, we have Dr. Thomas N. Seyfried, Cancer is a Metabolic Disease. I encourage you to read this book. It is brilliant. You will no longer have a fear of cancer. Um, What he writes in the book, the view that most cancer is genetic disease is no longer credible. What are the factors, he says? And again, I want you to look at genes and gene expression. Age, viral infections, hypoxia, inflammation, environmental toxins, radiation, and carcinogens. Absolutely, that's it. But again, this isn't causing a disease. It's causing your body to express certain genes that are designed to protect you. So let's look at the Metabolism Clinical and Experimental Journal. This is out of 2008. Now, what controls above the genes? What kind of things can toxify the body that can damage the entire system? What can turn genes on or silence them? What they say is statin drugs, cholesterol-lowering drugs, antidepressants, beta blockers, diuretics, um, methotrexate, anti-inflammatories. This is Advil, Motrin, Aleve, anesthetics, oral contraceptives, antibiotics. I mean, you're looking at almost every class of drugs here can cause permanent changes in the epigenome. You take these chemicals, and it can alter your genetic expression. What does the article go on to state that it can cause? heart disease, cancer, nerve and mental disorders, obesity, diabetes, leukemia, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, infertility, and sexual dysfunction. That's right. Only the last one scares most everyone. So when you look at this, consequences for modern medicine are profound, since it will imply our current understanding of pharmacology is an oversimplification. Forget pharmacology. Let's look at how the body actually works. If you're exposed to environmental poisons, if you're exposed to physical, chemical, or emotional stress, your body will develop a lack of ease or an adaptive physiologic response. That's why these diseases last week we talked about the delusion of diagnosis. This week we're talking about the delusion of therapy of conditions that they don't know the cause. You got a mechanic. And again, I'm going to use this analogy because it makes sense. You drive your car into the mechanic. It's not working right. Smoke and noise, and the mechanic looks you right in the eye and says, I don't know what's wrong with your car, but I've got a lot of therapies for it. Uh, won't fix it, but it'll make it quieter and won't smoke as bad. It'll probably wear out earlier, but I really don't know what's wrong with it. Okay, would you take your car to an idiot like that? No, don't take your car child, husband, spouse, or yourself to an insane system like that. Okay, now, we're going to go through and we talk about, um, tonight at the, at the talk, I'm going to bring up a number of different things, like um, Western Journal of Medicine, 2000, they wrote an article on how to deal with medically unknown symptoms. And I want to just read part of this. Traditional medicine. And traditional medicine, they call it the current um, health authority. And this is the one, the medical doctor, the traditional one, you go there, you get a physical exam, um, they check your vital signs, and then what are they going to do? They might say, hey, look, you know, you got to... Change your diet, you're pre-diabetic, you're pre-high blood pressure, um, your cholesterol is getting up there, you're pre-dead. Okay, they're going to give you all this pre-stuff so they can give you chemicals to alter your physiology. They're not going to ask you how many bowel movements a day, how do you sleep, what's your physical, chemical, or emotional stress. They're not going to take an objective analysis like a pre- and post-x-ray to document structural changes. They're not going to look at the autonomic function of you No. I mean, we've got this insane circular logic. If you look at uh, hypothyroidism, I mean, I'm getting people in here every day taking thyroid drugs. What do they say the most common cause is? And we're talking the Mayo Clinic. They say the most common cause of low-functioning thyroid is Hashimoto's. Okay? Beautiful. Hashimoto's thyroiditis. What's the cause of Hashimoto's? Unknown. Again, we got that mechanic looking at the car not knowing what the heck is going on. Tonight, I'm going to go over a couple of case studies that show what should be done. We actually look at the variations in heart rate or heart rate variability. We're looking at a rolling thermo scan, surface electromyography, to identify the stressors, to identify high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, and thyroid disorder. If you actually think that has to do with the thyroid okay, and not an intelligent response based on stress, you're missing it. Because what's the ultimate cause of high blood pressure? Idiopathic. What does idiopathic mean? Don't know. So what's the cause of high blood pressure? If they were really honest, instead of using a very complex word that people don't know, well, you have an idiopathic origin of high blood pressure. Okay, People are pretty intimidated by a guy in a white jacket. So you're not going to say, gee, doc, what was idiopathic mean? Well, frankly, we just don't know. Okay, so if you don't know what the cause is, why, how, how could you possibly come up with therapies? What about numb hands, anxiety, fatigue, high blood pressure? I mean, come on. Then you've got the iatrogenic disorders. This is the worst one. This is when doctors actually do harm. What is the cause of genetic and genetic expression? I'm telling you right now, it's physical, chemical, and emotional stress. So, if you have an alteration in your body's ability to adapt, if you have been diagnosed with high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, thyroid disorders, chronic inflammatory bowel disease, you look at all of these different diseases that don't know a cause, let's look at autonomic dysfunction. You have an automatic nervous system that controls and coordinates every function in your body. Okay. Now, regardless of the ideology, and this is off of um, annual update in intensive and emergency care, the core dysfunction of underlying um, the core, the cause of all these chronic illnesses or diseases in America, this is 54% of our child population, 60% of our adult population. chronic illness or disease, they say the, uh, the underlying cause is autonomic adaptation. It means that your body is under stress. We know that if you treat these symptoms with drugs, your body does not make out well. So how about we change this? We change this right now. If your doctor is treating you for something that he doesn't know the cause, you fire that doctor and find a doctor that's going to actually check your physiology. I'm telling you right now, if you think that you have a thyroid disorder and you're not checking cortisol, which is from the adrenals, and then you might say, well, then I have a low-functioning thyroid or I have adrenal fatigue. No, that's crazy. Organs don't wear out. But your body, under physical, chemical, or emotional stress, will. What you've got to do, look at this. This is the solution. Organic, plant-based, healthy diet. You have to get your nervous system checked. You have to have healthy nutrients in the system. You have to have good mental and emotional stability. This means prayer and meditation, regular exercise, and sufficient rest. We're going to have all the data tonight live on Facebook. It's going to be posted next week on YouTube. Please look at this. Share it. this. If you've been diagnosed pre-diabetic, pre-high blood pressure, pre-inflammatory bowel disease, let me tell you, right now you are pre-dead also. That means you're alive. Appreciate this life. Look in the mirror. Smile. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you, and I love you.